You can imagine a day without power, probably. Seven, eight hours is pretty annoying. But what about 15, 16, 17 days? Well, that's the case for many people in Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island. Teresa Wright is a global national health reporter, and she lives in Charlottetown, PEI, where there's only 40,000 people in Charlottetown. And there's 4,000-plus homes without power right now. So you're thinking that's probably 10, 11, 12,000 people out of the 40,000. Well, that's not right two and a half weeks in. So what's going wrong and what needs to change with the response? We get into some of that with Teresa Wright on Toronto Today. Uh, Still problems more than two weeks after Hurricane Fiona battered Atlantic Canada with not just the cleanup, but power itself. Over 4,200 Maritime Electric customers on Prince Edward Island were without power as of Monday yesterday. So let me put that in perspective. Almost 4,300. The island itself is not that big, and Prince Edward and Charlottetown, the capital city, biggest city, is barely 40,000 people at that. So what's going on, and why is it taking so long? Well, our next guest is asking those same questions. Global News National Health reporter uh, based in Charlottetown. She is Teresa Wright. Thanks for coming back on uh, Toronto today. Um, I, I appreciate your advocacy so much, and so many people in Charlottetown must as well, because you're asking very basic, non-complex questions when we're talking 16, 17 days after uh, Hurricane Fiona hit. Yeah, it's um, it's been uh, very frustrating for a lot of people here trying to understand why it's been taking so long to get power restored. Uh, of course, you know, after you know the, the storm cleared, just walking around, even just in downtown Charlottetown, it was really clear to see that there was a lot of damage. And no one is contesting that, of course, that was going to be very challenging for um, for utility crews to, to, to get power restored to everybody. But I think one of the big questions that has been coming out in recent days is what areas and what customers were prioritized for power restoration over others, especially in those initial days. Um, and some uh, some tough questions coming out, particularly about vulnerable seniors who were left, in some cases, up to 12 days without power. And that seems to be a scenario that most people agree on, um, is that they they absolutely should have been given a higher priority. And clearly they weren't if we're almost 20 days in and their power hasn't come back on. Yeah, I think most of the, the provincial or, or all of the provincially owned um, seniors complexes and nursing homes um, have been restored now. But like I said, it took up to 12 days for some of them. And I visited um, one of these complexes, uh, actually a couple of these complexes in Charlottetown, um, a few days after the storm, and I and they, I was shocked at what I saw because mm. um, they took me inside. They showed me their dark, long hallways, um, the dark staircases that they were forced to navigate, and and in many cases, some of these seniors had serious mobility issues. They were there was nobody coming in to check on them. They they all the food in their fridge had been uh, spoiled and had to be thrown out. Um, and they were telling me that some seniors were had slipped and fallen in these hallways and had to be taken to the hospital because of their injuries. So um, ser- obviously some really significant issues there. Um, so really some questions about, you know, why is it that these places weren't given a higher priority, especially given that, you know, um, and, and again, this is sometimes it just depends on what grid you're on. But, you know, I would be walking downtown, you know, from my work and, to, you know, to going mm-hmm. home. And seeing bars with people inside having drinks and, you know, those places were had power obviously restored and, you know, these, these seniors were left in the dark. Um, so uh, definitely a lot of questions. And, and even at the top of your, um, 
uh, of this this segment mm-hmm. you mentioned, 4,500, that's actually customers. It doesn't equal people. Of course so not. Yeah, absolutely. So about, you're probably 10,000, 11,000 people out of 40,000 don't have power. Yeah, exactly. So so a lot of people still without it, um, you know, and, and <laughs> our family, we went 13 days without power. And I can tell you, it's a very, very challenging thing to try to go that long, especially it's getting a lot colder. Um, mm-hmm. There was a couple nights that it went below zero. Um, you know, it's it's just very, very difficult. Um, and for people who are vulnerable or have health issues, I can't even imagine how much more challenging that would be. Getting from point A to B, either walking or, or via car, Teresa, how, how much is that aspect back to normal compared to before Fiona? How much, uh, you know, it, it, being able to to get down streets? Are all trees and brush cleared? Are all sidewalks cleared? Yeah, it seems like the, the clearing has, has basically, um, you know, been, been done at least for <laughs> just to, to get people through. You'll still see kind of the down trees, but they are kind of cut off wherever the, it starts to meet a street or a, a, a you know, a sidewalk. So there's going to still be a significant amount of cleanup to go back and and clean all of that, the rest of that up. But um, it, it is possible to, you know, to walk and, and drive safely. But this wasn't true even as of a few days ago. So it's been a significant um, major, major event here. Um, and people are still trying to kind of wrap their heads around what just happened and, and what now needs to, to be done to try to kind of rebuild from here. And that's where some of those questions of, you know, what are some of the infrastructure that, that really we should have had um, that we weren't able to rely on, uh, especially given that, you know, people who work in, in meteorology and, and climate scientists are telling us that these kinds of storms are going to become more um, more frequent uh, in the future because of climate change. I know you you put out uh, a tweet a few days ago that I spotted when you put it out um, about how Florida has been coping. The area around Fort Myers that got hit also by the same hurricane um, hasn't lost power and they've had you know damage that hasn't been near the consequences of Prince Edward Island because um, because they've they've kind of created more um, more solar power and more of as it's described a solar community certainly not in the short term but it has to be a conversation for the long term for Atlantic Canada to to you know beyond those you know beyond that kind of technology to uh, to avoid these these things happening if we're going to get more storms we're going to get more outcomes like this Absolutely. Yeah. I found that really fascinating. There's just this one um, sort of community in Florida that has has built not just solar. uh, They are, of course, reliant on solar energy, but it's very resilient and almost hurricane proof. And so you would think that, you know, a hurricane force winds would rip these solar panels off the, 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 you know, the the roofs of these buildings, but it didn't. And so Mm -hmm. clearly there is um, technology that has been created. There are, you know, engineers who are doing this work. Um, so we really have to be starting to look a lot more closely at what what are some of the advances in renewable energy um, and, you know, and, and how do we make ourselves more resilient to power um, failures or to major um, weather events in the future. Um, and I think those are some of the questions, you know, even when we, we look at the power crews kind of putting utility poles back up you know, there's questions about why are we why are we putting them back up when we know they're going to get blown down again? Why aren't we burying these cables under the ground? Of course, it's going to be more expensive to do that, but maybe we should be looking at these kinds of 
of solutions because clearly this is not mm. something that's sustainable and, and people have really been suffering uh, without that that preparation for the future. Global's Teresa Wright's joining us on Toronto Today uh, from Prince Edward Island. Um, we're tight for time, but tell me, tell our audience the best thing about getting your power back on. I can imagine there's 30, <laughs> 30 answers that come to your mind, but what was one? Oh, wow. Well, I, I think it was the, the watching my son's reaction. We were just about to sit down to a late supper that we'd made on the barbecue <laughs> and the, the power came back on and my, my 11-year-old son just like he just forgot all about his meal, ran up to his room and started um, messaging with his friends. So just being able to see his happy face was, was enough for me. Yeah, it's uh, we had a, a tornado here in, um, north of where we were, and I think the power went out seven hours on a Saturday. And that feels like like I can't fathom. I don't think any of us can 12, 13, 14 days. And now we're into deep into three, three weeks uh, with uh, with the houses we're documenting. It's uh, it's it's unbelievable. Like it's not supposed to work this way. No, and it's and I think that's the the big question is you know how mm. how can we prevent this from happening again because it really um, especially in this day and age when we are expected to be you know online and and a lot of our my work is remote so I need to have power I need to yeah. have light I need to have internet to be able to do my work it was very very challenging to, to go that long without it. Thanks for letting us check in with you again, Teresa. Really appreciate you uh, giving us the lay of the land in uh, in PEI right now. Well, thank you so much for having me. You got it. Um, that's uh, Teresa Wright joining us uh, from Prince Edward Island. Look, there's also conversations about climate change, and there's no doubt we should have conversations about climate change. But I also think it's a bit of a it's a bit too obvious a statement to say Hurricane Fiona, Hurricane Ian, that, and it was Ian that that hit Florida uh, harder than than Fiona hit. Um, but listen, there was been there's been no storm stronger than Hurricane Katrina. And that was 17 years ago. So the, you know, tremendous empathy for victims of Hurricane Fiona and Hurricane Ian. And there's an element of exacerbation about hurricanes for sure. But if there hasn't been a storm stronger than Hurricane Katrina, and that was 17 years ago, what's, how do we attribute, um, how do we attribute this just to warmer oceans? There's a lot more. There's a lot more at play. There's a lot more complexity than just saying climate change means a lot more dangerous hurricanes. Not so simple.